Hello and welcome back to this free episode of TF. Running free TF. No, they don't get that. They don't get it unless they subscribe. <laughs> if you have a boner from hearing Milo do that, pause the podcast until you don't have oh, a boner make it anymore. Go back in. Don't push it back in. Not yeah. the boner from the show Bones. Yes, if you have the boner from the show Bones, stop if it. If you have the boner island whitefish. Oh, Dr. Dr. Boners, what, what's up with this corpse? <laughs> it's got a yeah, huge uh, Riley, will you do a podcast with Andrew Law where you review season six of the porn parody of Bones, Boners? We will do that. Uh, it is Riley, Milo, Alice, and Nate. Um and we've got a lot of fun stuff for you today. Um, a lot of infuriating stuff, but then just mm. some charming stuff towards the end. Um, mm. Let's start with the infuriating stuff, shall we? Love to get infuriated. Uh, like always. Yeah. Uh, so get, get, get the Milo rant out early. Yeah, I think this, this, one's, this one's really going to give that to us. Uh, let's see what we do there, folks. All right. So, I've got the blood pressure monitor on. <laughs> yeah, we have paramedics standing by. Do not try this at home. Uh, in a movie, we're, we're erecting like a spit guard around Milo, like at a buffet. Yeah, you've got to be careful about aerosols in this uh, time of pandemic. You know? So uh, basically, uh, so a quick little Brexit update. And we try not to talk about it too much, but mm. the only do, thing do, I'm going to say do. about this is it going well? Uh, it's going great. But especially, you know, who thinks it's going? It's it's it should be going better. Is Labour because the ah, official hmm. Labour Party position now is that um, they've now come out and said their, their position on criticizing the Tories about Brexit is, we could do it better than you, you're bungling it, we should be the ones handling Brexit because no. we would do a better and more compassionate job I, of doing I, so. I seem to remember somebody saying that. And then certain people who will not be named, including certain former guests of this former show, saying, no, what we have to do is we have to do a, a, a second referendum. Mm. Um... And then, you know, it didn't go so well, no, I would suggest. The weird thing was, right, after Labour, now that Labour has, you know, it's it's back in the control of the moderate, sensible wing of the party who doesn't want to mm -hmm. do Brexit because yeah, it is an, objective, wing. It's an objectively very bad idea, according to all of and their that, metrics. Now is the best time to do sensible Brexit, yeah. is when the people who have made their careers on Remain are now fully in charge. Yeah, it's mm. weird, it's and weird. The, the last leader who had any kind of credibility for doing any kind of leave uh, has now been exiled and is now like, mm -hmm. I don't know, uh, out, out in the wilderness. This is the best possible time what? to do a safe forensic Brexit. But weirdly, I, I thought, like, because their guy, Keir Starmer is their guy, like the Our Future, Our Choice people or mm. the People's Vote Lib Dems or whatever. Like, Keir Starmer mm -hmm. was their big guy. You think that they'd be up in arms about him sort of switching position on Brexit like this and saying it should now be done. Have, have we checked in with the host of popular podcast, The Romaniacs, no, and seeing how Romaniacal they're feeling? <laughs> oh, yeah. They, 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 have they sealed themselves into the big Romaniacs water tower? No, they, they went so <laughs> Romaniacal that now it's like they're Harvey Dent. They went all the way around. Oh, they're, damn. They're now like, they think, they think Brexit is it, funny Ian now. Ian Dunn is like flipping a coin. <laughs> Yeah. You know, we, we may have some uh, like ideological problems on this show. I'm not going to say we've been right about everything ever, but I we think have. if we ever f if we ever had to pivot to oh, actually the future and tech are quite good, I think we would disband yeah. before we did that. <laughs> Turns out we were, we were completely wrong you about the future. Do. It's absolutely fine. We would at least we would at least change the name. Yeah, yeah. We would change the name of the fucking show to Nice Future. Yeah. So, there was no trash but, in the show Trash Future. <laughs> uh, so I looked up. I I looked up all the websites of Our Future, Our Choice, and People's Vote, and 
all the edge. They're mm. all gone. They're just huh? gone. There is the not what? a trace of them on the internet. It's like it's Nothing. like when that company that Bart Simpson works for uh, di- like dissolves, and he goes back to their offices, and everything's just gone. And there's just a guy tearing copper wiring out of the wall. That's that's people's vote now. Yeah. It's 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 almost as could, mm. could it what, could it be that it wasn't actually for stopping Brexit and implementing a second? Wait a second. There ain't no people's that's... vote, and there never was. <laughs> That's not the wallet inspector. <laughs> uh, so anyway, but, I just, but, but, but Riley, I was promised there would be a second referendum. What's happening? I, I love that the one person who like actually like just the couple of of like rubes who actually believed that like the the referendum or whatever wasn't just a rat fucking campaign against the left taking their dogs to like Trafalgar Square, being like, "Come on," he said they were going to leave. We have to do the referendum again. It worked the last time. It got rid of the just other get, guy. Just getting their well, asses beat brutally by fucking to? statue protectors. <laughs> <laughs> just imagining just like one of the dogs being interviewed on like the one show or something going like we were misled yeah they're getting God. bounced back on yeah, yeah we believe there would be a second referendum yeah so uh listen that, yeah. that guy who's like driving up and down the coast of norway like writing please stay in the eu on his gps he's gonna be furious when he finds yeah. out in six years did everybody please stay in the eu i'm going on a short trip around the coastline of norway when I'm back, I expect there to still be a second referendum website. That's right. Damn yeah. Margera, but with like an, a circle over the A. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Murderer. So I want to do it. So yeah, anyway, that but that's the whole second referendum thing. Weird how they've just given up. I wonder if they had another goal. Bam um, Marge Guard. Indeed. Uh, we're going to move on now. Uh, mm. J.K. Rowling, quick hit number two. J.K. Rowling has written another terrible new book that mainly seems to be about working out a thought experiment where men disguise themselves as adult human females to infiltrate adult human female spaces and then do serial killing. Mm. She's hate when that happens. Yeah, she's written. Um, she has written a trans. She's written a transphobic thought experiment uh, w- with a little bit of spice of Islamophobia. Uh, of uh, mm. what? What if? What if the man disguising himself as a woman to murder women? dressed in a burqa and like had a halal takeaway which is definitely like a distinguishable mm. thing she's written this book to um, annoy alice specifically yeah I, I literally this is why you have to reply sarcastically to every famous person on twitter because you never know what's gonna land in their psyche and then two years later you're like huh that's mm. a bit weird i think i recognize <laughs> some of the and, and then the you know J- jk rolling tweet yeah. Why does yeah. this guy nut so hard he shoots down the International Space Station? <laughs> uh, the, the, Is that other, even the other really funny thing was that J.K. Rowling wrote part of this. She wrote at least one character in an excerpt I've seen in what I can only describe as a working class voice. Oh, yeah, James Bloodworth, oh, fire in your it's belly voice. So bad. Phonetically transcribed. Uh, here, we just like a cheeky knees up around the piano, but one of these fucking transvestites been murdering. <laughs> and it's just like, what? what, what? Alice, it wasn't even that good. That was too accurate. You, you've spent you spent way more time around these people than J.K. Rowling so has. The, the, basic, <laughs> the basics of this book, right? Um, it's a 900 page mystery story, which Jesus. number one, awesome. Yeah, that's just a Tolstoy <laughs> levels of just hating trans people. Right, yeah, write a thousand <laughs> words, get on Twitter, post something to incinerate some more goodwill, write another thousand words, go to bed. <laughs> mm. uh, Not maniacal at all. Like, can we talk about very briefly how, um, like, transphobia does just seem to like expand until it rots your entire brain, What's like Creutzfeldt Jacob does. 
disease. What? Uh, what's the deal with that? Nobody's ever like transphobic on the side. It instantly becomes mm. their whole deal yeah. until it's like costing their career and their marriage and so on and so on. Like I, I talked about Graham Linehan back in the day. I said I thought about being me about me being trans less than Graham Linehan did. <laughs> yeah. You in particular. And this is. Yes, that, yes, literally yes, and now it, it is all happening again. There, there should be like a 12-step program for TERFs, because like they do, it is, it's a disease, and then they need help. You need, I, I you need deprogramming. Before our episode with Annie, where I realized that I, this, this description has to be updated, uh, our episode with Annie Kelly, I realized, I used to say that QAnon is just, it's the American version of the same brain disease, and people are like, what's British QAnon? I'm like, being a TERF. But yeah. now I realize that no British QAnon is just QAnon, so this is like a permutation <laughs> yeah. of it until yeah. British current until British QAnon also becomes transphobic. In so, which case, mm. I've got I've got a few uh, becomes I've got a few uh, excerpts here from Troubled Blood, the Cormorant Strike novel. Troubled yeah, Blood, that Cormorant Strike. Cormorant, Cormorant Strike mm. sounds like a fucking like a, an option not used for like the attack on Mogadishu. No. Cormorant, Cormorant, Cormorant Strike is why the coup in Equatorial Guinea didn't go very no, well. Yeah, can, actually, can you say Cormorant Strike and Ranger this Voice? Would be, I think Cormor Cormorant Strike. Cormorant Strike. Cormorant Strike, <laughs> sir. Fucking Irene. I think Cormorant actually, Strike. Cormorant Strike is like slightly lamer than American military plan name. It would be Metropolitan mm. Police Operation to like remove yes. counterfeit DVDs from a particular market. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, well, it would have initiated Operation right. Cormorant Strike to counter <laughs> to confiscate uh, counterfeit goods from a gentleman on uh, Billingsgate Market. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. So uh, here's a, right. here's an excerpt. Uh, Reading series. This is about Dennis mm. Creed, the serial killer. Dennis Creed. Yeah. Amazing. Dennis Creed had always been a meticulous planner, a genius of misdirection in his neat little white van. Damn blasted Pimpernel. Dressed in the pink coat he'd stolen from Viv Cooper and sometimes wearing a wig that from a distance to the a drunk scarlet victim. scarlet pedo <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes wearing a wig that from a distance to a drunk victim gave his hazy form a feminine <laughs> appearance just long enough for his large hands to close over a gasping oh. mouth. Oh, Wait, Jesus. that's not a woman. That's Charlie Mullins from Primlico Plumbers. It's just the hairstyle. Has fooled me once yeah. again. <laughs> his victims yeah. are never surprised when he makes his final strike because their last mm. words are always, We can always tell. <laughs> well, like genuinely, right? There was a bit of that in the in the Burka bit where like one of like I guess Cormoran Shrike's faithful assistant says, What's a good way to get in and out of a building with your entire face and body covered unquestioned? Mm. And he goes, a burka. And it's like, yeah, famously unquestioned. Yeah, no one ever questions yeah. anyone in a burka. Ever. No, they never do that. Yeah. Because uh, all your questions are answered. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, by the burka, by the, uh, by the wide amount of text you can fit on a burka. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> all the, a lot of questions being asked by people that are already answered by the essay on my burka. <laughs> so, yeah. So basically, like, yeah, it appears to be. She, I get it. And there has. There, there ha this hasn't happened, but this hasn't also stopped the idea of trans or transvestite uh, serial killers being like oh, a yeah. common and recurring trope in media. Because it just seems like like this obsession gets stoked from somewhere. Like some kind, hmm. it rhymes with um, mainstream media. <laughs> you know what's really funny is that somebody defended uh, this book, I think it was in the Telegraph, by saying, oh, well, you didn't complain about Buffalo Bill and the Silence of the Lambs. 
And I think one of the things was like, no, people very much very complained much about did. that. Yeah. yeah. And like the author of the book and Jonathan Demi, the director of The Silence of the Lambs, absolutely tried to distance themselves from the argument that Buffalo Bill was supposed to be a transgender person. That the idea was that mm-hmm. like that he was someone oh, no, he's he's not even trans. He's too weird for even that. Yeah. I mean the whole if you if you're familiar with the story of the the film and then the book that he sought out gender reassignment surgery but didn't meet the psychological criteria and so was rejected. <laughs> Once again, bloody gatekeepers. Thank goodness for the gatekeeping. Could huh? transition have saved her? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I just think it's very it's very funny that now, yeah, like 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 you said, trans transphobia has now just taken over uh, taken over another person it's like like as soon as she posted that maya forestator thing i was like well that's it she's never gonna post normal again it's gonna be this forever mm-hmm. mm. um and hey you know what now she's written an entire book about it so another time of me being right it's Shall also we- just very worms in the brain very weird to be like because there have been people who have been saying like oh actually when you actually read the book it's not actually transphobic because the person actually isn't supposed to be trans and they're doing that thing where they're like and if you oh, think they're again. trans actually you're the transphobe oh, f- and shut it- up fuck oh, off it's awesome but then but the thing is yeah, it's I, like, well, I, I may have drawn an extremely broad stereotype but by identifying that stereotype with um, the people at stereotyping actually you're the one who's racist but then there's this other <laughs> thing where it's like well maybe people would be more amenable to that argument if you hadn't spent the last six months just like posting weird transphobic tweets like mm-hmm. it's very unfortunate timing jk if you're gonna release a book that is like you'd have to argue a very like subtle argument to argue that it's not transphobic maybe the best way to promote that book wasn't with a run-up of six months while you were writing the book of doing like weird transphobic tweets or alternately <laughs> that was a very good way to promote it among a specific audience however yeah, exactly. viral marketing. however i think it's time for us to continue on because uh, i have a startup i have a really fun startup for us we'll today. Have a startup. Uh, it is called BitProp. Um, okay. Uh, it, it it allows you to get like Bitcoin in order to obtain a propeller plane to fly into international mm. waters. <laughs> Wait, a propeller plane? So it's like a yeah. You can only get like an Antonov. You you can't oh, get nice. like a jet. This is for like the low rent section. I've actually over. used this website a number of times. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> the planes are not impervious to uh, geese cormorant, cormorant and other kinds of large <laughs> yeah, cormorants, uh, things of that nature, swallows. I can't believe you know. J.K. Rowling's detective destroyed the uh, the Equatorial Guinea so, coup. Yuck, Vander Rowling. I can't believe I, I I made that reference earlier, but none of you heard it. Um. So no Bitprop. Uh, Milo, give me Bitprop. Um. Is it a company that will uh, it provides props for cameo parts in films? It would be so much better. Uh, Nate, BitProp. I think BitProp is like an ETF or something that allows you to get idiot investors, aspirational investors, uh-huh. to prop up your cryptocurrency. Okay, so everyone's been a little bit right, but very wrong. Mm-hmm. Wait, even with the plane thing, uh, even with the prop thing? No, not with no. So a little bit right, <laughs> but a little bit right in bits. It gets you a prop of a propeller plane, <laughs> but that wrong you can then use to trick people into investing. Yeah, but okay. So it is, it is an investment thing. It is attracting investment for something. Okay. And specifically, their tagline is: Imagine if we could unlock. Nine point three trillion dollars for those who need it most. Um, so I, can, I, I want. I'm actually interested. A round of actual try to get this right guesses. Oh God! Is it like I, wait? It's trying to do some kind of charity thing. It would ordinarily be a charity thing, but it's going to be like one laptop per child, where they just like apply tech to it. Uh, sort of. Is it trying to get at like one of these pools of 
money that like yes. no one can access. Well, that... It's try. I'll, I'll give you another hint. We we enter every child in Africa into a tontine. Alice <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, actually that, that... has it closest. That no would... fuck no no. Concept I quit. Conceptually. You kind of have it closest. Every child in Africa is now in the fighting hellfish. Well, Riley, Absolutely. is is uh is nine point three trillion like the combined GDP of all African countries or something? It is to do with Africa. Their pro their problem statement is Africa is urbanizing at a rate of twenty three million people per year. And by very weird to call that a problem statement. Um mm. and well no, the pro problem statement more meaning like we are going to that's the first sentence, and then they're like but approximately 3.1 billion of those people will live in substandard housing, which is 36% of the world's population. So that's the problem statement, not that Africa's urbanizing quickly. Okay, um, fine. But increasing housing demand couples with, coupled with a lack of systems in supply results in high property prices and low property quality. How does BitProp intend to solve it? I'm, I'm, I'm real, I really want to see if I can leave. You have you a distributed there. slumlord. Yes, to Alice has got it right. Oh, amazing. Of course you do. Uh, I, we're I love to pay rent to like tenants in a way that's going to improve the relationship uh, between <laughs> those who need housing and those who provide it. So so you pay you pay your rent to a consortium of 250 Macedonian teenagers. Uh it's mm. it's actually you pay your rent to a consortium of European investors, but yes. Cool. Who all happen to be from Macedonia and to be teens. <laughs> yeah, and happen to be 14. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah no, you, you that that's correct. Uh it, what they do, what they do is basically there's this problem in develop. There's this theory in development economics that's po made popular by um, uh, uh, an economist called uh, De Soto. Um, he is uh, Hernando De Soto, and what he says is basically the real pro because a lot of development economists that aren't like heterodox economists who like look at things like the distribution of wealth and so on, uh, who look at things like the history of colonialism. Oh, fuck and stuff. to we that that's heterodox. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> yeah. So that that like your ne a neoclassical development economist is only able to think in terms of one weird trick. Um, mm. And so DeSoto's <laughs> this this African woman is making five hundred dollars a week working from home. Uh, yeah, that's what they propose <laughs> to do. Oh. Um, so they they basically they always they only know how to think in one weird trick. We're going and to so harness the power of milfs. <laughs> what is it that Africa has an abundance of milfs? Okay, <laughs> one thing that colonialism could not take away from the African people was milfs. No, no. So what what the, what they say is they say, look, Desoto's one weird trick is um, property rights and title. Okay. So he thinks that the problem oh, is... he's one of those yeah, guys. No, he's okay. the one of those guys. He's oh. the guy who invented that whole thing. Where he says, basically, um, what, what we need is, because people in Africa often, and also to a lesser extent in South America, but mainly in Africa, uh, own, like, live on land that isn't clearly owned by anyone, they can't uh, develop it or take out mm. loans against it. And What if we do enclosure again? Yeah. What if we do distributed enclosure and turn everyone into a landlord? That's cool. Um, and so that can't end badly. And it's especially good if the land isn't owned by the people who live on it, but is owned by some guys in Europe who may or may not be Macedonian teenagers. That's right. Hmm. Uh, so basically, so this theory basically says, look, if you can give someone title to their land, then they'll eat for a day. But <laughs> if you can sell that land to some Macedonian teenagers, they'll pay rent for the rest of their lives. Uh, that's that's sort of kind of what they say, mm. right? But if you if you can find so basically that this is a social enterprise, right? So it's funded by like other social investment funds who tend to do mm. impact investing or development Bill funds. Gates. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Is Bill Gates involved? Uh, it's the kind of thing he would be involved yeah. in. Yeah. Uh, they say 
They solve they so Bitprop intends to solve this issue with technology. You know the issue of the systemic like and aggressive underdevelopment are, of Africa by European yeah, colonial we're powers. We're solving the commons. Yeah, is what we're mm. doing. But also, like you know, it's you wonder. It's do you really do you really think that like the issue is 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 property rights as opposed to just what well, I believe we did? they do. Yeah, of course they do. Yeah, so they say- My, my, my startup, Pith Helmet. <laughs> uh, so, through the use of technology information and new business models, Bitprop acts as a conduit, taking property owners previously invisible to financial institutions and making them visible, creating value and enabling access. We develop the micro-property uh, and owner to the point where they can become a client of a financial institution. Oh, well, that's great. That's exactly what everyone wants. Yeah, everyone wants to be able to mm. go and hawk to a bank. Yeah, exactly. That's the joy of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. They have to borrow, though. Um, How else do you become a MILF? <laughs> so, Bitprop, basically, <laughs> what they do is they, they use, like, surveys of people in the area, and they look at the history of the land to then award you an unofficial probability-based title <laughs> on the blockchain. To God, man, just go back to the rubber quotas. It was more honest. Well, but uh, wait, hang on a minute. How the fuck does this work? Because like, if it's not, if it's not like authorized by the government of the country it's in, if it's not like a legal title, that's like, what is the point of it? Well, I think the t if the the idea is is that most of these things are de facto not de jure anyway, so they're trying mm -hmm. to give someone a document that they can borrow against. Yeah, it's libertarian yeah, stuff. It's pure libertarianism. That's why Hernando de Soto is like feted by the American Enterprise Institute. But, and stuff. That's also well, why it's it's so important is that it's an end run around the government of these countries. Yeah. Like it just just in case they want to start like protecting their people from exploitation in any way, which some of them may do at some point. Then you just you make them irrelevant. Yeah. I gotta no. be honest with you, I kind of bogged down in the technicalities of it, Kimbo. Can we just comment for a moment on that guy's conquistador ass name? Hernando de Soto. I mean, de Soto was a conquistador also. I know. That's the point I'm trying yeah. to make. Like, it's like, <laughs> this guy is basically trying to like create a sort of like blockchain tithing system in Africa. And he's got a name that sounds like he would fucking want to be buried with a, you know, a fucking galleon full of silver. Yeah. Why, why do you have to wear this Morian to like, uh, <laughs> this man has <laughs> very, very wide trousers. Um, I like, I've just actually been thinking about the concept of a startup called Pith Helmet and what it would do. And I've realized it would absolutely be, there's a real problem in Central Africa with child soldiers. Mm. And a lot of these child soldiers, they're actually really woefully under-equipped. And we have discovered <laughs> a very safe way of manufacturing helmets to keep those children safe using uh, disused orange peel. Uh, and so it is actually a proper, uh, a, you know, a war-ready helmet made from pith. So we're calling like this that you startup, went to Prince William voice for yeah, this. Yeah, we're calling it Pith Helmet. And uh, we haven't researched the history of that name at all. It wasn't registered at Company's House, so we assume that's a good thing. And uh, so far in Africa, we've failed to attract investment. <laughs> Any, anyway, thank you for coming down to the King's Road for the launch of this stupid charity. <laughs> anyway, the helmets, oh, right? By the way, so if you want to know who, what else uh, DeSoto is famous for, he's the president of a Peruvian think tank called the Institute for Liberty and Democracy, which may yeah, as well just this, have the this same Chilean think tank, the, in the Institute ah, for Advanced Peruvian Helicopter think. Leftism Studies. <laughs> yeah, it's basically, it might as well just share a phone number with Langley. Mm. Um, so, uh, basically, so what, how this actually works, right, is Bitprop doesn't do this for free, of course. No, no, no. 
So they go to- my, my, my new startup that enables all kinds of like rural education across South America, mm. the schools of the <laughs> Americas. <laughs> I haven't checked good. on the name, wasn't registered in company's house. Thanks for coming to the launch of my new charity, the School of the Americas here on the King's Road. <laughs> that was like that was like Austrian guy on the King's Road. Here on the King's Road, we really just love educating little children abroad. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, the, the so. All the schools are really cheap to build because they're in the basement of pre-existing buildings. Okay, so uh, how BitProp actually is, has its business mm-hmm. model is that they go and they secure the title of, of land using a bunch of like bullshit and magic. Mm-hmm. Um, then they'll go to the person that they secure the land title for, like, hey, presto, congratulations, we've secured this land title. Uh, and then they take a bunch of money from people in Europe, and then they build a, an apartment complex on that person's land. I love to, like, okay. have some de facto land in Tanzania, and then four white guys in an SUV show up with, like, covered in ANCAP stickers, get out, and they're like, hey, uh, here's a deed to this. Do you have any children? <laughs> um... And so, then what happens? Could you please direct me to the nearest child brothel? And so Do then, you uh, have any children who might need helmets? <laughs> so, what happens? Really trying to get rid of these, mate. What happens is uh, Bitprop then. <laughs> I, love, I love this idea that the distribution of the leadership of this is like three quarters serious dangers and one quarter like affable toffs who don't know better. A guy called Toby who's wearing a signet ring. <laughs> so, Honestly, yeah. like we've made a, we've made a bit of a, a ricket here with the helmets because they're not big enough for adults and there's a much bigger market <laughs> for adult helmets. And also apparently equipping child soldiers might be a bit internationally illegal. Like not like morally <laughs> illegal, but like factually illegal. <laughs> so, um so basically, right? Like you're you're someone in and who's like, you know, Living in like a an un, in an informal dwelling, let's say, in the mm. outskirts of, of like um like Johannesburg or whatever, Bitprop comes in. Um, they say, "Hey, we're gonna ask all all your neighbors if you really do live here, then give you mm. a Bitcoin wallet that has your property on it, and then we're going to build a bunch of apartments on your land, and then we're gonna keep the rent from them for the first ten years, and then you can keep the rent from them subsequently once our investment has been paid back." Yeah, and if you wanted to just keep um, your property that you had already, get fucked. Yeah, no, uh, fuck off. And also, by the way, there's and, and also I love this idea. We're like, no, we in order to like, in order to like try and make up for or begin to make up for, make amends for like centuries of just like horrifying they imperialism. They are not trying to do that. No, but, what they're trying to do is to rationalize but, but, Africa, and their way of doing yeah. that is like, we're gonna get in the SUV, we're gonna drive to the outskirts of Johannesburg, and then we're gonna name this street something like Von Mises Street <laughs> and start counting. So, but basically, right, even, even if you take them at, at face value, they're basically saying, we're gonna try to make up for all these years of imperialism by creating the conditions for the housing crisis in Africa. Because mm. they didn't get a housing crisis like we did. We need to give them a housing crisis on the basis of highly financialized prop- property assets. I mean, uh, also, amusingly, creating the conditions for imperialism. Yeah, these uh, guys so are going to be you know. protected by Jörg van der Klerk, 100%. Mm. Yeah, I've got some good news for you, pal. Okay, so these guys I've got standing behind me, what they've actually done is they've secured you the legal title to your property, but also you're being evicted. 
and uh, you can come back in 10 years. Uh, yeah, you seem very upset, but I'm armed. And uh, there's, a, there's a guy here who will uh, he'll give you a free helmet if you want that. So, so uh, I would take it, to be honest. Ranti is pretty dangerous, huh? So basically, this is um, the founder, Carl Semeli, was interviewed in Barron's. Oh. No, he's uh, Swedish. Oh. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> Shut uh. up. Stop it. I love doing the best in Africa. Stop it. <laughs> we never did the Nickelodeonism the first time, but it doesn't mean we can't start now. Uh, we're just confronted with essentially the villains of the constant gardener, and our response is like, uh, what if a Swedish guy was Italian? <laughs> That's right. What a good show. What if that? In um, Sweden, we love to talk okay. with our hands. Okay, so uh, the founder, who shall never be named again, mm. uh, was interviewed in Barron's <laughs> and says, uh, when asked the question... Somebody touch my loot, Fisk. <laughs> when... Ask the question, why provide a loan for a rental unit and not just upgrade someone's main residence? You know, like, why not just give them a better thing? Yeah, just do changing rooms. Uh, get Carol Smiley down there. Samelli said... Uh, oh, no, my collection of teapots. Samelli <laughs> said, there, then there's no, but that way there's no revenue. This way the ah, rent provides revenue yeah. because food and money is more important than a good house. Money is more important when you're poor. <sighs> Yeah, no. you, know, you know what they have in Africa? Pyramids. You know what else is a pyramid? Hierarchy of needs. Mm. Ergo. You know what else yeah. is a pyramid? This business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like but it's yeah. a good kind of pyramid. So yeah, it's like oh, we couldn't, we couldn't just you know, uh, again, this this charity, we couldn't just you know, build people better houses. We need to create. We need to create the. We need to create landlord, uh, tenant, and em- em- owner employee hierarchies in Africa. Otherwise, they'll never get their own two thousand seven. They'll never mm. get a Those big short. Those are the short. best hierarchies. They're missing out so much. All mm. of them are working perfectly for us. Um, if pyramids are so bad, why do they bury kings in them? Uh, so how do you actually then go about getting the deeds? Uh, so they say, not in the legal system. <laughs> uh, okay, that always sounds good. <laughs> so... Um, Extrajudicially, yeah. if you prefer. This guy's just fucking Dave Courtney. Don't worry, none of this is legal. <laughs> so it's all, it can't be, you know, no one likes lawyers. They're all immoral. That's why we're keeping this strictly illegal. <laughs> I don't have Getting pulled over any by the South African police and just immediately volunteering <laughs> unprompted that you have several thousand highly illegal deeds. So, uh, and in reality, what we mean is the history. We've done the research. In townships, we saw that 93% of the people feel secure because as long as the community supports you, no one can yeah, kick you out. We've got to get those numbers lower. Yeah. Mm. Well, no, it's that it's a, 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 the I, there, the theory, of course, is that everyone will feel secure if only the market could operate efficiently, and then it never mm-hmm. does because that's just an engine of human misery. Mm. Also, also, like even if you were a capitalist, mm-hmm. right? The, there are markets operating in these places, right? Th- this isn't just even capitalism. It's an evangelism for a particularly Western and extractive form of capitalism. Yeah. Well, and interestingly, what they say is that part of the of deed granting is to try and quote unquote protect people uh, from uh-huh. uh, corruption of companies or governments or whatever, because companies can say just begin like get hiring your jerk Vanderclerk type to like clear people off of the land and then like yeah, build a parking lot. And then lot you show it. up with your deed yeah. and they point out, "Hi, huh, it says here at the bottom, oh, by the way, this is wildly <laughs> this illegal." This is nothing. <laughs> uh, when I when I show up in the country that I'm trying to overthrow the government of, what I like to say is, "Don't worry, this is actually a social enterprise. <laughs> you <laughs> can rent the country back at a discounted rate for the next 10 years." Essentially, yeah. Mm. Um 
So they say, our dream is that we do this so well because we have the commercial incentives to do it well, because if we do, the risk in our property investment goes down, that we are on a voluntary private basis, mapping land step by step. And then we get the council to acknowledge this is a low cost digital and technology based title deed. Wait, their, their argument is like, why would we rip people off? That would be bad for our reputation. Yes. I, we wouldn't murder people. That That is illegal, even in Sweden. Uh, our, so. yeah. uh, our goal is regulatory capture. Yeah. It's rarely expressed <laughs> so bluntly. Yeah, it's, it, is, it is purely just this like libertarian experiment disguised as a social enterprise based on someone who ran like an, you know, an institute for democracy in, the, in South America in like the 70s. Because also it's like cool. even like somewhere like South Africa is like one of the more like stable governments in Africa. And it has one of the bigger, I would imagine, regulatory fl- frameworks. Right. Like if they really wanted to just like help these people like officially own the land that they're on, why wouldn't they like offer to like help the South African government determine because this and give them deeds. it's a libertarian neo-colonialist mm. project that views Africa as terra nullius. Yeah. And so you can oh. just like, th- th- none of these people live in countries that have laws, at least not ones that we respect, and therefore we will simply apply our own yeah. and hope that retroactively they're recognized. Yeah, I was if- actually at Oxford with Terra Nullius and he helped me come up with the idea for the helmets. <laughs> Great bloke, honestly, if- mate. It's a, yeah, it's like, what? What? remember Colonia Dignidad in uh, Chile? Boy, do yeah, I. This is basically like. I was at school with her. What if, what if we. It's Colonia's. <laughs> I think she has a telegraph. What if, we, <laughs> what if we took Colonia Dignidad? I shagged her sister. She's really fit. What if we took Colonia Dignidad and then, like, just made it kind of cutesy on the blockchain mm. and hoped it would just distribute itself by how great everyone saw it was through the mechanisms of the market? Yeah. Uh, Phrenologia Dignidad. If you're, if you're listening, honestly, call me. It was a great night. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and even on the off chance that it works, it just creates a whole new set of problems. <laughs> it's something that we love to see. Um, where and this is this this is this has been one of our most detailed startup segments this is, because this is po- possibly one of the more evil ones that we've talked about. But, yeah. And yeah, it's also a cocaine ass idea. It's like you have to be you have to be on so much cocaine to think of this and be like, this is a fucking awesome idea. This is totally gonna work. I don't foresee any problems with just like writing out a bunch of deeds that have absolute no legal basis just, whatsoever. Just hoping that, like, people, the government will realize that, oh, this is good, let's just Look, adopt this company we, into our regulatory rename, If we rename Kinshasa to Rothbard, then it's going to be more legitimate and people will have more confidence in the investment of it. Kinshasa? Uh, I think you mean Colonia Dignidad? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so... Even then, right? Like, also, this approach is again. It's like it's popular in American think tanks, which means it's never going to go away. Which means it's very bad. But it's like completely discredited among every well, serious. I, what, person. what I what I think is important to bear in mind here, and why I agree with your point that this is far more evil than the stuff we normally deal with, is that what we normally deal with is kind of like a bird-brained approach to monetizing or securitizing a problem that doesn't really need a tech solution that's more just like a either an inconvenience for a certain class of people or like a pesky labor regulation for a different class of people mm. and in this case i think it really does betray that attitude what you're describing that like the entire premise the entire conception can be absolutely illegal, and that doesn't stop it as long as it's being done to a population that people think, well, it doesn't really matter either way. And I would point to something similar in the United States, and maybe this will get me canceled as a take, but I really do think that a lot of the approach towards things like 
charter schools and school vouchers and things along those lines is basically, or things like Teach for America is, we think this will help. And if it doesn't, who cares? Because these kids were always going to not count in our society anyway. Yeah, well, this, the same thing with same uh, with um subprime mortgages, right? Like the original housing crisis, just s- exactly the same thing. The original and huh. still the Why best. Why is it always in my black view. people? Weird. Yeah, it's almost as though that that there is this idea that that capital gets to just kind of kind of like freestyle among certain populations mm. of people to kind of just see what works, and then once mm. things are proven on them, as then maybe if and then maybe take them up. It's almost as though. This is a wildly racist endeavor, as have all of these yeah. other things that we're talking about. Yeah, just, just turning, just turning like a fifth of the Earth's surface into a Bon Appetit test kitchen. Yeah, just, why not? Let's see. The Laboratoire Garnier. Yeah. I think that there's maybe a bit of light at the end of the tunnel here, which is that I suspect that this idea is so stupid that they might end up just losing all of their clients' money. Because like the idea of just like wandering into an African township and being like, yeah, we, we own this now, and we're going to build this apartment complex, and then renting those apartments out to who? Like, guy like management consultants like who like what are they gonna like what if if all the people in the township are just like no we live in these apartments now like what are they gonna do uh hey you know what we can we can only hope that basically what they do is they come in build all these all these run flats, out of money to pay jerk vanderclerk and then run out of money to play jerk vanderclerk and then everyone just goes mm. on a rent strike and lives in the nice apartments yeah great I love okay. being part of social uh, development. <laughs> I've long had a passion for uh, the, you know building uh, the, uh, the economic development yeah. across yeah. borders. Woke Vanderclerk. Let's yeah, uh, right. let's move on. That <laughs> his Dutch brother. Yeah, let's move on. Uh, mm. We are going to. I, I I've got a new a new a new guy for us. Ooh, uh, new guy. I, I love him. Um, I've loved learning about him. He's a guy of many details. So mm. is he is he a big guy physically? No. Well, Sorry. Oh, so it's not Greg Stuby. <clears throat> so uh, La- this is Lars Windhorst, and he is another rich <laughs> weirdo. Excuse me? Name alert. He is a, uh, a he is a <laughs> German financier who is like in his late thirties, but started being famous as a financier as like a fourteen-year-old. Um, mm. Oh boy! So he's in the news. If only there were a German word for that. Oh well. <laughs> so he's, yeah, he's in the news now because one of his perfectly legitimate investment vehicles, Chain Finance, which was mm. designed to rescue several other of his perfectly legitimate embattled investment vehicles. He's inverse German Dave Courtney. Um, appears to have. There's s- nothing illegal about this. <laughs> I must make it clear that it is not illegal in any. I have permits for every single one of these transactions. Look, I got it. I got this one from this Swedish guy. <laughs> you can look at them from a distance of 10 paces. <laughs> so, basically, what he appears to have done is he appears to have been selling illiquid bonds to H2O asset management, concepts mm. I will explain in a moment, causing... All, all, all I got was H2O is a liquid. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. ca- which is ironic because it's illiquid bonds. Uh, causing, yeah, that's what I was yeah, getting for as a joke. Causing a run on the fund from its investors as allegations of impropriety that have been swirling around it have finally come to a head. So I hate it when the allegations swirl around me. So basically, just getting a phone call like, "Is your H two O running?" <laughs> so um, just- you shouldn't have located this H two O fund in the middle of Siberia, where temperatures are so low that it is never liquid. Uh, so basically, 
Um, one of these illiquid bonds that uh, Windhorst sold the fund, or allegedly illiquid bonds, mm. was apparently to settle a lawsuit involving the settlement of other illiquid bonds he'd sold to a former Russian energy minister. Well, that so- sounds very legal. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what any of that means, but it sounds extremely <laughs> above board, and I will not be inquiring. So none further. of these people will get murdered at any point. So basically, <laughs> Lars Windhorst is a guy who he says, no, I'm not selling illiquid bonds. All those other times throughout the past, that have every couple of years I've come up in the news for selling illiquid bonds. That's not me anymore. I don't do that Riley, kind of thing. Darling, what the fuck is an illegal bond? Illiquid bond. Illiquid bond. So basically, um, I thought you'd never ask. So uh, basically- Some uh, bonds around here. Uh, a bond. <laughs> Some bonds around here so don't a, react well. A bond, a bond mm-hmm. is a debt instrument that you can buy or sell. Uh, mm-hmm. So if, if you sell a bond, that means I, I pay you a bunch of money. I own a claim on your money plus an interest rate coupon. Um, and a liquid securities, that's a stock or a bond, mm-hmm. is one that's relatively commonly, easily traded in pretty high volumes uh, in, in around markets and pretty easy, tra- easily transparent market-determined prices. Now, So it's a loan shark. Well, an illiquid bond is one that it's, it's, it's a security. It's very, very hard to sell. So if Microsoft issues a bond, for example... Um, it's very easy to sell that. There's a very well-defined market for it. You could probably sell it on just a, on an, an investment um, platform. A country issues a bond, mm. same thing. If like a weird, like a, um, uh, if like one of those like right-wing tech companies that emerges because Google's two SJW sells a bond, that's called an illiquid bond because there's like no market for it. It's not widely known. The br- it probably doesn't trade around at uh, many brokerages. Much like the title that uh, those ANCAPs came up with. <laughs> yeah. It's a thing that you've just kind of made up for yourself. I love downloading yeah. 8chan's bond trading platform. <laughs> so basically, right, an illiquid bond is just a security that once you buy, you're kind of stuck with. It's very hard mm. to sell. So if the bond stops performing, you're stuck holding this relatively worthless investment. Um, well, that makes it sound great. Yeah. I can't see how this yeah, could go I'll, wrong. What could go wrong with selling wallet inspections? And I love selling them to very dangerous people because those people <laughs> are always very reasonable when they're upset about the performance of their investment and never do I, things like chop you up and put you in an oil drum. Yeah, I, mean, I was, I was going to say, it's like, hmm, well... So- if you if you try this with a new cryptocurrency, like you might get some really angry Rick and Morty emails from people, but you probably won't get flayed and boiled alive. Um, mm. no, apparently, the the the, rush, the lawsuit with the Putin guy is now settled. And it All was settled them. because uh, basically because H two O Asset Management, which is a hedge fund that's located or an asset manager that's located inside the French bank Nataxis. Mm. Um, has, has nothing to do with, but is located inside. Uh, that's a, it's a L- thing. Listen, it's like, it's like when, the Lesotho of businesses. Settled. It has been settled. Yeah, what yeah. I mean by this is do not dig in specific hole outside of Arkhangelsk. <laughs> <laughs> when I settle a lawsuit with a Putin guy, what I like to do typically is change my name, uh, move to Hawaii, and never eat or drink anything ever <laughs> yeah, again. That's right. Uh, uh, actually, so- all of my business dealings are entirely above board and safe, which is why I have my staircase buttered every single day. <laughs> well, interesting you should talk about the staircase butter, because Peter Mandelson was an advisor... Of course! Of course! <laughs> there cannot be a dodgy deal in Britain that Peter Mandelson is not involved with. So I want a very slippery staircase, that I want to talk a little bit more <laughs> lovely, about... Just like, just, just 
settling settling my lawsuit with a Putin guy, and then opening a vlog where I review the various food and drink options on board domestic Aeroflot flights. Uh, you, so, ask, you ask what we did at his country estate. Well, we certainly didn't hunt the most dangerous game. I'll say that well, much. Well, <laughs> you, you say country estate hunting dangerous game, because the comparison that I have with this is Lex Greensill. Because everything mm. about this, which is a charismatic, globe-trotting financier who's obsessed with planes and can't stop buying planes. Mm. Um, an a- Harking the big yeah. eye emoji again. An asset, <laughs> an asset manager. Doing a handbrake turn around around a corner in the eye emoji. Someone who's trying have. to out-logistics Epstein. So, uh, it's, oh, it's Epstein them. thinks he's a successful pedophile with one plane. I could, I could become the Amazon of pedophilia. Uh, that's not an impression of anyone in particular. <laughs> not if that's an impression uh, of a, a general Australian ambitious pedophile. No, so um, basically, right. But what I'm saying is, right, like uh, both in both the cases of Greensill and Windhorst, yeah. there is this ambitious, per, ambitious financier with a slightly checkered past, mm. asset managers that seem like enraptured by them. So in Greensill's case, it was GAM in Switzerland. And that was like, if you haven't listened to our episode, Frankenstein's Balance Sheet, we unlocked it a couple of months ago. I urge you to go listen to that before listening to the rest of this segment. Yeah, it's key to understanding this, but the short version is that this guy, Lex Greensill, basically made it legal for him and nobody else to just print his own money. (laughs) And what we're going to get to is the key mistake Lars Windhorst made is he didn't do that first before doing all the other stuff. He was too eager. Yeah, he, he, he jumped the gun. Don't worry, Lex. Uh, Here in Switzerland, nobody has a checkered past. So, uh, basically, yeah, so in, in this case, it's H2O mm. asset management. In okay. Greensill's case, it was GAM. And mm. in, in Greensill's case, it was all about supply chain financing uh, Sanjeev Gupta's um, uh, diesel power generators that were just privatizing a bunch of green power subsidies from the UK government. Which is all very good and cool and so normal. in this case, what happens, what happens is there are several players, right? There is mm. Lars Windhorst, his advisors, including Peter Mandelson, his old firm... <laughs> what Sipin- the fuck does Peter Mandelson advise Political him connections, basically. It's basically yeah. just, I want to have someone who's politically connected. Yeah. Um, uh, Windhorst is himself a major Tory donor. Uh, ah. So his advisors, his old firm, Sapinda, and his new firm, Tenor. Uh, and then also we have... Um, Bruno Crastes, who Excuse runs. Excuse me. Bruno Crastes. <laughs> or Crust. Crust or something. He's Krusty. French. He's French. Uh, he runs H2O Asset Management. Mm. And they cannot stop and have been unable to for several years stop buying these terrible illiquid bonds issued by. Oh, I know it's bad for me, but, uh, you know, I just Once can't. Once you pop, myself. you just can't stop. Uh, these terrible illiquid bonds issued by Windhorst, Windhorst's various firms that are all like kind of private equity firms. So rather than like with Greensill, okay, what is, he did, is, is there an explanation for this that doesn't rhyme with Lunny Maundering? Yes, it rhymes with Onzi scheme. Ah, all these bonds are so liquid, huh? but every time I bite into one, it reminds me of my childhood. Okay, so um, basically we have God, the French yeah. Krasenstein brother is such a yeah. powerful bit. Uh, so basically, we have uh, we have H two O right. Uh, and what mm-hmm. they're doing is they are anytime Windhorst issues a bond, they will then buy it. Um, yeah, great relationship that, to have. That bond is frequently very hard to trade because Windhorst tends to like raise the. He tends to buy like defunct, dying, or paper companies that just don't do anything or fail immediately. Raise tons and tons of debt from them and engage in some circular financing, allegedly, which we'll get to later. Um, and then just keep investors pumping the value up by having them over for lavish parties in his house. 
Ah. Does that work? What? Yeah. How does yeah. that work? Why, why well, does that work? Why is that allowed wait, to so work? So first of all, when it comes to companies, what he does is pumps. And then presumably he does something later, which rhymes. <laughs> uh, yes, he pumps more. Yeah, he invented wubistics. <laughs> uh, pumps does technically rhyme with pumps. Uh, yeah. So, uh, it's a pump and pump scheme. <laughs> this, is exactly. from, this is from the FT. Uh, the FT, by the way, that, like uh, Robert, uh, Robert Smith, uh, Bontac, his writing on the FT, and this is essential reading. Um, just hours before Windhorse's lavish annual party held at his office and penthouse in Savile Row, which incidentally, I think I've been to. I don't live uh, in my office. I have an office in my penthouse. It's I different. I am pretty sure I went to his Look, house in 2012. there aren't a lot of Canadian wine tastings happening. <laughs> I, I, it has a very peculiar microclimate, this no, so office and penthouse. I, I was very, I think... Maybe that there was an. Sorry, can we, can we? Are we are we deposing Riley for the remainder of this episode? Uh, I think. Can you do? You, can you explain for me your travel on the dates of? <laughs> I think Riley. <laughs> Riley just like following following his nose in like a fugue like state as someone moves a tray of oysters slowly towards a penthouse <laughs> on Savile Row. No, so I. Just like gliding blissfully up a buttered staircase <laughs> as this guy comes down. Yeah, so basically, mm. I think I I was at some some party held by like a Canadian friend of a friend, and then they were like, "Okay, we're all going to an after party now." And I was like, mm. "Huh, weird. Why are we on Savile Row?" And then I got I went into the building and I got up, and then it was like, "Huh, why is this? Is this an office or does someone live here?" And I didn't think much more of it, and I only really remembered it having read about this guy. So I think I've been to this guy's house. Hey, we all like to go and get suits at the after party. You want to come get measured up, bud? <laughs> so, um, hours before Windhorse's lavish annual party held at his office and penthouse on Savile Row, mm -hmm. H2O's uh, Bruno Crastis had filmed a video in Paris explaining why he had invested more than a billion euros of client money in the debts of businesses- w Was it a TikTok? <laughs> that included, almost, that included a loss-making lingerie maker, another loss-making lingerie maker, an Abu Dhabi brokerage, and the Hertha BSC Berlin Football Club. Okay. Oh no! Why Walk did I open an Abu Dhabi lingerie range? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> these guys. I, what I love about these guys is that they clearly just like love having a good time. Like, there's no, there's no real like business involved here. It's just like, well, what should we buy? Well, something with titties, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> because the thing is, they don't even actually then use. It, it appears that the companies don't ever actually then do much. They're just used as vehicles through yeah. which debt can be raised and then traded among them to give the appearance of a profit. Lars is like, how can more lingerie models be at my <laughs> penthouse slash office at any one time? Why is this Canadian guy here? I want the yeah. lingerie model. Yeah. <laughs> um, so basically, uh, what, what uh, H2O Asset Management said is, yes, we invest in everything Mr. Windhorst gives us, even though the companies are only related by being owned by Lars Windhorst, mm. because, quote, we know him quite well now. Okay, well, that sounds good. Because you do one of those icebreaker things. Yeah. He told us two facts about himself. Yeah, the thing is that the more people know about each other, that makes them more disinclined to do any kind of dodgy dealing that involves one another. Yeah. Also, mm -hmm. I, I love that as your investment thesis for this very serious fund that, again, has wowed investors with very good, consistent returns. That have happened regardless yeah. of the wider economy. Uh, people, huh. people I, I, they think that Mr. Windhorst is pulling the wool over our eyes with the fraud he might be committing with these companies, but what you understand is we already know that he has many convictions for fraud in the past, so we are fully aware of this. Uh, we are actually at less risk thing. with him than with someone else we don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. We I'm trying to think about how much I would have to trust someone to invest a billion dollars worth them in secure bonds. 
Um, uh, it's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of trust that I would need to have in that person. Yeah. But what if they were German? We can, we can, we can yeah. sort of. I mean, it, we can talk about what that means towards the end when we, I think I do the more serious crimes. comparison. It means crimes. Uh, uh, allegedly. We can't say that, but like, there's not it a, strongly suggests crimes. Not a lot of other explanation as to like why H two O asset management would continue pouring money into this guy. Oh my god, he's Lionel Hutz. <laughs> He's, he's living in his <laughs> no, office. No, money down. Yeah, <laughs> it's like uh, uh, also known as Miguel Sanchez. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> but so basically, that's what that's. You see, I'm not issuing a bond at all. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, this is this is now from uh, This Is Money magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, even as a school, <laughs> one of your regular reads. Yeah. Well, I mean, when we talk about this many like finance figures, I sort of have to, have to do that. I love the yeah, idea that, that, that like, doing like unwitting after-party surveillance. Yeah. Like it's presumably like a financial markets magazine, but I love the idea that it's just a magazine for people who like money, and it just talks about <laughs> money like in a sort of just like oh, you just like Different. this is by Sophia Money Coots in the magazine this week. It's talking about what where to hide your wads of cash around the house. <laughs> Um, even I personally yeah, I love, I love mine in an oil drum in the back garden. Even as a schoolboy, Lars Windhorst dreamed of running a business empire. When, mm, a- okay. when asked in art class, fucking when asked in art class at the age of nine to draw what he wanted to do as an adult, oh, he no. drew a skyscraper surrounded by trucks and boats emblazoned with his name. Yeah, he wanted to do nine eleven, and, <laughs> and the ground around it was labeled South African Township. <laughs> um, <laughs> age fourteen, Windhorst burst onto the global stage when he built an electronics import business. Leaving school two years later to build up the firm, he was hailed as a wunderkind by German society. Oh, that's that word. Uh, and then Chancellor Helmut Kohl took Windhorst on him on tours of the world as an example of their country's entrepreneurship. <sighs> Revving up the oh, eye. The Germans are so weird. They're so <laughs> yeah, hello, weird. Ve- 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 welcome to the German investment thing. Uh, here's a 14-year-old boy that I have brought with yeah. me. <laughs> as you can see, because we have stripped him completely naked, you can see that it is not a dwarf, but a child. <laughs> There's no hair on the body at I, all. I, just, I love how weird the Germans are. They're just like, yes, this ch- German, some German children have been known to generate electronics importing businesses. This is like something that Trump would do, but in a less creepy way. He'd be like, look at this boy. He's such a, he's a smart boy. Look at him. Look at him. He's going to be he's, huge. He drew, he's going to look at those feet. He's going to be enormous. He's importing stuff. He's bringing stuff in. He's bringing stuff in. Lots of people that don't know where to get the stuff. This guy. To He's be 14, fair, 14 years old at that age. At that age, what was I doing? I wasn't this, bringing stuff this in. Kid, this kid is the only way that Donald would have been proud of Eric or Don oh, Jr. Absolutely. is if they turned out like this. <laughs> Why didn't you build a business? <laughs> well, <laughs> that kid in Germany, he's my real son. <laughs> yeah, congratulations to this kid who is now legally Baron Trump. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I love Baron also, Von Trump. We're just like, oh, we, are ge- <laughs> we are genetically good at, at entrepreneurship, so I brought this child who has imported DVD players. <laughs> yeah. Imagine a German business with a child running it. <laughs> but I mean, also imagine like how fucked up he—he's like the Michael Jackson of the financial world, like just <laughs> taken on tour by Helmut Kohl as a kid and shown up as like a brilliantly talented freak. Like, of course he's in a bunch yeah, of Jackson food. <laughs> of course he's involved in a bunch of like shady bond issues with Russians. Obviously, Funf is such a good bit. <laughs> That's an episode title right yeah. there. I think. Um, yeah. So like, obviously he's incredibly fucked up. Like. Of course, that's what happened because it's like it's like it's like the German economic miracles Mozart. Mm. Um, but 
So yeah, that's why I say, is it any wonder that everything this guy ever did has been an absolute fiasco? Because once the dot-com bubble burst, right, and he stopped being a child, uh, oh he, no! Basically, he immediately like went bankrupt, but just started borrowing more and making bigger and weirder bets. But he was seemingly immune from ever having to work a normal job ever. And so in two, yeah, because he was hanging out with the fucking chancellor. Yeah. So in two thousand three, his business was completely bankrupt. He was seventy two million uh, euros in t- pounds, rather in debt, and his credit rating was so low he couldn't get a mobile phone contract. But his parents gave him a sixteen thousand pound loan. That was nice. Oh. Um. And then, Mom, Dad, if you're listening, then he persuaded mm. two investors to give him four and a half million pounds to start investing again for some reason. Huh. Two investors, if you're listening, yeah. yeah. But the, and and that's the weird thing, right? Um, one of them was an entrepreneur called Rob Hersov, uh, and he la- they launched an investment firm called Sapinda together, which was again wildly successful, building up a balance sheet then of more than nine hundred million pounds. But he did that mm. just by buying up a just distressed German property after the financial crisis. So he's just a landlord. Huh. Well, that's a great business. Every time, and and then then when he tried to do something other than being a landlord, he immediately started fucking up constantly. Oh, I hate it when that happens. Uh, so, and disaster struck again. And this is the weird thing, right? This is why I find Lars Windhorst so fascinating, because he's so frenetic and weird that none mm. of these stories ever really resolve or tie together properly. It's just. It's like the movie Uncut Gems. Stuff just keeps happening to him, and he's Guys able keep to like exchanging like twenty five thousand dollars in envelopes. Yeah. yeah, it's well, that kind of is his life, right? Like it is Uncut Gems. He's just always borrowing from people to pay other people, making crazy bets, being chased by people. He crashed a plane in Kazakhstan on Boxing Day in two thousand seven. <laughs> hey, hey Lars, you all right, puppy? Uh, I heard you crash your plane. And what, then now, now you're trying to pawn your ring and you crash a plane. What, what the what's up with you? I'm uh, worried about you. So he was ba- He lost an ear which was later attached, but was then immediately the, again indicted for fraud, paid a huge fine. I given his a, ear. <laughs> his was, severed ear in the dark. <laughs> was given a, a suspended prison sentence. But the thing is, while that was happening... Got in a fist fight with The weekend <laughs> for some reason. The thing mm. is, while that was happening, he was also charged for embezzling investor money from his distressed property company, and also at the same time fighting off a lawsuit from a US-based hedge fund that accused him of manipulating a, a, a bond price and called it illiquid. I've never manipulated so, a bond price. If you read my website, the first thing it says is Lars Windhorst does not manipulate bond prices. Anymore. Yeah, I think the matter <laughs> is closed. And you know I'm not lying now because I have admitted to doing it in the past. Right, so that's that's what I mean. Like, It's impossible to keep things straight with this guy because 45 different things are constantly happening to them and he's always seeming to manage to stay just barely ahead of all of them. Hmm. But his life appears to be nothing but pure financial chaos. Um, awesome. So, of course, he had to move to London. <laughs> yeah, of course. of course. Because the only place that someone like... It was the only ball pit big enough to contain I mean, him. Yeah, Mayfair is... Because like Mayfair is a deeply corrupt place. Right? No. But like I think a lot of people don't fully appreciate the kind of business that does get done there. Um, much of the many of the businesses in Mayfair are engaged are engaged in money laundering. Engaged in what we like to call the Kazakhstan plane crash industry. <laughs> Basically, of. yeah. If you wanted to arrange a Kazakhstani plane crash for someone, Mayfair is where you'd go to get it done. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I can get my suit and my Kazakhstani plane crash on the same street. Yeah. Mm. So, like, Mayfair is a place where weird criminals go to s- try to swindle one another. Um, so. I'm a regular in Mayfair, and I usually find <laughs> so, the more illegal <laughs> I say I am, the more interested people are. Kind of. Uh, so, 
Basically, this is from the FT again. Hoping to put all this behind him, Mr. Windhorst moved to London six years ago. But it was a... <laughs> this is, you know what this is? This is the guy from... Um, uh, fuck. Uh, Uncut Gems moving into the second act of Eastern Promises. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So some... Him just being like, uh, actually, when it comes to the financial crimes, I'm really trying to put that behind me and cut toxic people out of my life. So I think it would be a lot better. It would be a lot better for my my <laughs> mental health if you would please stop referring to the financial crimes previously. So some tactics that he then used to impress uh, investors in London, in addition to like just having a bunch of important people on his boards, mm. included Windhorst set up a soundproof office in Savile Row. Well, that can only be good. <laughs> the gigantic show eye that we all pile us around. Yeah. Now, fully in effect. In here, no one can hear you scream or commit bond fraud. Not that anyone would do this in here. <laughs> and features tabletop models of his private jet and 223-foot luxury yacht, along with a sign... Oh, do you remember those, Riley? Along with a sign reading, just get it done. Hmm. Um, is he a Brexit guy? Is he a get Brexit done guy? So he's <laughs> simple as. Also, hmm. he's a patron of London's Serpentine Gallery of Contemporary Art and tends to woo backers. <laughs> well, if you want to da- distance yourself from money laundering, there's no better thing to be involved in as a hobby <laughs> well, than contemporary art. He has a rare art. He yes. has a massive rare contemporary art collection that was huh, briefly of course he that does. was briefly seized by lawyers representing that Russian financier. <laughs> Amazing. Huh. Um, and his plane, and also all of his wine. Like, he's constantly just having different bits of his oh, assets frozen. I know how you ended up at this party. <laughs> he's constantly just having his assets frozen by different people. You went people. to a police auction for wine. <laughs> um, and, uh, or he, so basically what he does is he'll, he'll introduce investors to his powerful friends, and he'll bring them over to his Mayfair offices, and he'll wine them yeah, and dine them. This is Helmut Kohl. He's, in, he's known me since I was a young boy, for some reason. <laughs> yeah, you and, could say we have an almost Greek warrior-like relationship so, as one another. So, basically what happens is investors find themselves, like, wowed by his reportedly relentless work ethic, which he says involves working for more than a thousand hours a year on his plane, only sleeping four hours a night, and doing handstands to keep himself awake. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, but by his are lying, the world's stupidest people. They are the most credulous fucking rubes. Just doing a. I, whenever I feel I'm about to fall asleep at the wheel of my car, I just do a quick handstand. Yeah, I've been in many serious <laughs> car accidents. I, I love this. And and the thing is, right? Like he's he's j- he's just like telling a fanciful story, mm. and then some some rube with an asset management firm will be like here I, oh yeah uh, interesting i will invest a billion dollars man yeah, they feel really impressed yeah. by the wallet inspector's work yeah. ethic to your wallet inspector yeah. training company so exactly m- even though before he was lying about being the wallet inspector he now actually has got his official wallet <laughs> inspection license and he's yeah, put he the days of unofficial illegal wallet inspecting behind him so, so i'm confident that on listen, this in this listen. situation i'm going to get my wallet back if if we say that we are on the left, how can we claim to believe in police abolition and rehabilitative justice unless you accept that this guy can pretend to be the Wallace Inspector several dozen times oh, with no oh, I want to be very clear. This guy rocks. Yeah. He's very cool. Because <laughs> who is he defrauding? People we hate. I, the only risk is, like, if H2O completely fails and the taxes has to bail it out, that creates a risk for French taxpayers, which... The, o- the uh, only risk is if he bets everything 
on the Lakers game, and then while yeah. having uh, his enemies locked in the security door of his store. <laughs> well, I mean, that's yeah. the question, right? Like, while his he, hot girlfriend is going to the casino, he did basically. Yeah, I, mean, I, I got to be honest team. with you. As long as I don't want people to have that much money to be able to do stupid investments like this, but in the interim period when they do, if there's no public funds involved and it's all just rich people losing their money to a guy who does handstands because he calls it brain cardio, then I mean, like, <laughs> I'm okay with it. Yeah, you know, to be clear, this guy's really fun. Um, yeah. Because, uh, so a review of the Financial Times of his startups find that much, finds that much of the money behind them is borrowed, often on very strange terms. Oh, oh no. Oh, God. We, got, we gotta keep this guy alive. <laughs> Can we form a volunteer protective detail for Lars Wintour? The rate of interest is given in tins of shoe polish per year? <laughs> a reflection of... Win- of mis- <laughs> like, look, look. On the one hand, like, conservatives have the volunteer border force. I think what we have to do, or like the bikers for Trump, I think what we have to do is we have to form the Pennsylvania Secret Service dedicated exclusively to keeping this guy alive as long yes. as possible. Yes, absolutely. We're just like like a, like a curling team with dry towels rubbing down every staircase he walks down <laughs> yes. in front of him. <laughs> so just just slapping cups of coffee out of his hand constantly. <laughs> yeah. No, Lars, you can never eat or drink anything uh, again unless it's made by us. <laughs> yes. Uh, so basically, so he he makes these very strange. Um, so but to keep all these companies afloat, he just needs to have them lend money to one another and borrow money from other people and keep these money flowing in from H2O. Um, and so, and often these, and the thing is like European stock exchanges are like almost completely unregulated. It's a massive wild west out there. Yeah, like because we trust everyone to be good. So that's why Wirecard was able to happen, like that kind of thing. Mm. And most of the companies that Windhorse uh, asset uh, investment firm own I've never turned a profit or- Actually also Jan Marzalek Another extremely cool guy Kind <laughs> of in the mould of this guy Um Exactly. Yes, but I don't. I unlike this guy. I don't want to save Jan Marsalek from being murdered. Yeah, I don't care about Jan. Oh, Marsalek. Jan Marsalek's already dead. Absolutely. Let's be, let's be yeah. completely clear about that. That man is in a vat of acid, de- decomposing as we speak. And he's just going around, going like, "Oh, is this is this Russian guy? What I'm doing was this very illegal business with him. Anyway, I'm now wanted by Interpol, which I'm sure will not worry the Russian man. I'm doing illegal business with, and keep telling everyone about how." illegal it is. I'm sure he completely trusts me to not tell Interpol about the nature of the illegal business. I sound exactly like the other guy. (laughs) There is one voice in German speaking countries and they all have to share. So basically, here's here's how some of the the financing arrangements work, right? So Windhorst has a company. So for example, he had one called Amethean Agri in July 2014. Mm -hmm. That's that That company has a subsidiary issue a bond for 125 million euros at a rate of 8.5% per year. Mm-hmm. He then buys a plurality of those bonds through a personal offshore company. So I want to make a 26-way parlay. <laughs> this, is, and, this is what it is! <laughs> it's no, it's this, fully. this isn't because he's the only counterparty in any of this. Yeah. So what he'll do... <laughs> he's doing this, he's having this conversation with himself in the yeah. kitchen of a yeah. restaurant <laughs> that he doesn't own. <laughs> I want to make a 26-way parlay. Incidentally, I am the Los Angeles Lake. <laughs> yeah. So what, how this works, right, is... He will have a company that he is invested in issue a bond the, that the, um, the bond will be bought by a company he owns offshore that will then sell the bond back to the original company at a massive write down so that the original company can say on paper they made a profit of like 8 million euros, even though all that's Wasn't happened is money's some... moved around. Wasn't there some Italian guy who did this? Uh, I think I, 
Yeah, it was a yeah. Oh yeah, it was um, it was uh, Francisco. It was Francisco scheme. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Francisco Pyramidiglia. Yeah. Um, so and the weird thing, right? And here's the strange thing about it is that Windhorse reputation basically means that no one will do business with him because like he's sort of kind of def- unofficially except for this one French guy. <laughs> well, apparently. no, it's hmm. it's not just the one French. It's mostly the one French guy, but like like Goldman and all the other big banks. They do one trade with him, then he fucks them, and then they're like, well, we'll never do business with you again. And then he just goes to the next one. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty, pretty good cool. deal, right? If they, yeah. if they all have that money to throw away once, yeah. then you just keep doing that until you run out of banks, yeah. or, I guess, be murdered in a plane crash <laughs> in Kazakhstan. We just need to throw a party lavish enough to get some Goldman guys there. He, and may, we listen, could... he may listen to, a, to this and invite us to his house. Awesome. Do you reckon we can get him to invest in Trash Future? <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Lars yeah, if, you, if you'll all just follow me into this soundproof <laughs> office. Yeah. Uh, so I have an excellent Canadian wine. <laughs> uh, so, no one will be able to hear any of the illegal things which we say, which we which they would not anyway, because we will I mean, not I, be just, saying them. I'm just envisioning like an Agatha Christie style setup where he has to create a particular item to lure each individual member of this cast <laughs> on into his soundproof office for business reasons. Um, what do you think they would be? What, what, so for what me, it's the Canadian be? wine and oysters. Yeah, ca- everything Canadian ev- wine. Um, some like rare patches. Yeah, like, some like rare tactics. Alice, equipment. I have some of the rarest Soviet uniforms for uh, the, 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 the Forestry Service Internal Police Service. Yes, um, yes. It, 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 yes. It, it was in Latvia. Only two of them were made. Yeah. <laughs> Hussein, I have the secret album by a band called Hubastank, never released before. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a cover. It's a them as a Gundam. The Martin Shkreli thing of like buying the exclusive Wu Tang album, but it's Huberstein. <laughs> Milo, what's bringing you in? I, I think for me and Nate, it would just be like, I also have these fine vibes. <laughs> <laughs> would you care for a vibe? <laughs> uh, so. Basically, right. We have a fully working Vauxhall Corsa. <laughs> <laughs> As you know, for Nate, it would have to be a grill of some kind. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have, I have <laughs> a green egg that heats up immediately. Mm. Uh, so, okay, go. So, uh, so a lot of so he does this kind of thing, but like unlike Green Soul, who has one thing that he does and does very, very well, which is supply chain finance, handstands. Uh, oh. Windhorse seem and and Green Soul just like. Doesn't he has one thing he does very well? He has builds a lot of official connections, but he's kind of a nerd. This guy. Wait, wait, wait! I have a question. Does he actually do the handstands? Has anyone seen him do the handstands? When you listen to this, do you do the handstands? Yeah, d- when Riley. D- Riley, I when you bad- were at the party, did anyone do a handstand? And you thought, huh, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I just I badly want to know because like I fully accept that he is doing the like obvious thing of lying about only sleeping four hours a night, mm. working a thousand hours a week, and all of that. But surely, if you say, "Oh yeah," every time that I feel I'm getting a bit like unbusiness, I just pop a handstand. You've got to do at least one for that what do you billion mean he's dollars. Tired. It doesn't right? seem that tired. I mean, he's doing a handstand. <laughs> <laughs> it, it seems like he just says it like bunch of shit and is like, more, I don't know, maybe they'll believe it. I respect him more if he wouldn't, right? If he if he just like says that yeah. and like, yeah, I just do a handstand and everyone's like, well, that that checks out. That seems legitimate. Mm. Here's a billion dollars. That's even funnier if he just doesn't, if he doesn't know how to do a handstand. Never guys, done a handstand in his life. Guys, when just I do a handstand, a cool my, my cock and balls look like an elephant's head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, right. So basically, and the reason that people keep investing with him 
is that for some, the massive, crazy, illiquid bond transaction goes well for a while, mm. uh, even regardless of what the broader economy is doing. It's very interesting that in this contract, it says we will make money for a while. And then there are three dots. And then the contract just goes on to talk about something else entirely. Anyway, I see no reason to look into this. I was hoping to make money for a while. Is that, is that a trick this house? <laughs> Whoa, look at this guy. Why is he naked? Is that a, is Bro, that a fully operational down. Vauxhall Corsa in a soundproof room? I love it. It's, it's, he's, just, he's a version of Howie in Uncut Gems that just... It, it, he's permanently in the third act of Uncut Gems. He's mm. been in the third act of Uncut Gems since he was 14. The, guy, the guys are just like, like stroking the bonnet of the Vauxhall Corsa and he's like steepling his fingers like, this is how I win. <laughs> so the question remains, right? Like you understand why someone like GAM would invest with Greensill and Gupta, right? Because it's a way of using securitization to mm. privatize government subsidies. That's obvious. There's a clear reason why they do that. Yeah, it's, it's the same end run around national governments yeah. as our startup. But then the time. question, right, is, and I think one thing, and no one has cracked this yet, why H2O is investing with Windhorst? Because it's not, it doesn't have that clear value proposition. If anything, it seems like a very bad investment. Like It's caused a run on, on um, H2O's fund. They've had to gate it, which means they've had to prevent people taking their money out. Mm. From like crashing the fund entirely, um, they have more than a billion of illiquid bonds. Um, it, it's just I, guys supporting. Yeah. I I love the theory that just whenever they start questioning him about the bits of his investment vehicle that are really shaky, he just does a handstand. They're like, oh my god, Jean Pierre, come in here, huh? As this guy is doing handstand, we have to uh, three billion, huh? Uh, bring it in. He just he just well, like he he offers them something, their their heart's fondest desire in his yeah. soundproof office. This French guy's <laughs> about to pull out. He's ruining his fun. He's just like, what about a perfect Renault Twingo? And then he brings out tr three dancing dwarfs out of his briefcase. <laughs> How could I say no? Huh? Yeah, so he's just These like people a mad are like the most. Easily fooled people. Mm -hmm. uh, like well, it's, it, it's it rich people. So it's so funny. It's also like this guy's just like a magical realism guy. He lives in magical yeah. realism world. <laughs> but mm. also like the other thing to remember, right, is the extent to which H two O and and um uh, Windhorst will like go will jump through crazy regulatory hoops, including saying, okay, well no, I've bought back my illiquid bonds. But actually, then what happened was H two O then just engaged in like a a short swap agreement. Uh, for those illiquid bonds, borrowed a small amount of money against them with brokerages like Merit Capital, Brandon Hill Limited, and Shard Capital, all of which are intimately connected to Windhorst himself, as though the two counterparties kind of might be in it together. And so that's why I'm going to now be very careful when I say uh, what I say next. So that is my opinion. Dazzling investors with constant seller returns for a while, and then everything completely falling apart as mm. soon as growth slows or as like, Robert Smith expresses some like doubt as to the legitimacy of your organization that it all immediately falls apart like a house of cards mm. based on these strange, illiquid, exotic, and difficult to understand securities sold on companies like La Perla or Naked or you know various like gas producers that just have never landed a contract mm. to extract natural gas or whatever and has a history of borrowing money to pay off personal obligations. 
It's it's it, it just yeah. that just it seems like you, what you you're, you're essentially wrestling. saying is you, you are asking as a curiosity, not as an implication, but genuinely asking in good faith. You are asking the listener to find you a non-criminal explanation yeah, for this. Basically, yes. Uh, Mr. Mr. Windhurst, a lot of your former clients l- seem to take you to court a lot. It's like, Yaya's all obsessed with me. Um, <laughs> so I can't get it out. I know, they're so in love with me, and then I move on to something else, and then suddenly they start remembering about the soundproof room and what we did in the Twingo. I'm, but, su- you know, I'm such a Gemini. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these guys I have a really like, toxic taste in clients. Um, and, uh, you know, you say. A new bit gay Austrian. You say is that it looks like I'm selling this illegal bond, but actually, no, it's extremely complicated. No one actually you knows that, you what think is there's going more on, to this including bit me. Than just an Austrian guy who's gay, and there isn't. It's just that's just that's the, the whole thing. Alice, clients can be of any gender. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, look, if you get people enough poppers, they'll sign anything. <laughs> so, yeah, look, basically, what if what if he sues us for calling him gay? <laughs> We're not. I love lingerie models. This is on the record. <laughs> I, I think the problem here is that, like, it's not that big of a logical leap to speak into existence a uh, Austrian Californian financial criminal. Like, it's just you know they're out there. Yeah. You know, so healing crystals, good vibes only, rare trance, <laughs> fucking financial crimes, illiquid bonds, toxic yeah. clients, and uh, yeah. and of course I am the German financier who is a little bit gay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a reference. Um, it's, a, it's a reference to a Rube joke. No, it's a reference to the sketch, the, oh. Nazi, the Nazi general oh, sketch, oh, the Smith I'm and sorry, Jones. Never yeah. mind, never mind. I'll we take- do not acknowledge the reference. It's it's like this fucking. It's like Delta Force. We don't acknowledge the existence of the room joke. I, lo- I love the idea that we're effectively because of Milo and I doing Britonology and exploring weird, deeply British cursed shit. We're just going to start talking about like a sixties comedy show that only boomers have seen, as if everyone <laughs> knows what it is. Okay, so- Hello, I'm Julian, and this is my friend Sandy. So basically, right. I think yeah that that's the correct that's the correct question here is what is the non crime explanation for this and mm. why is why is this asset manager continuing to pump money into Windhorse? I mean, if you want to, please if you, satisfy the questions of our enormous motorized eye. Ultimately, like if you this is I mean, uh, how is this of interest to someone who like would consider themselves politically left? For example, it just seems like rich people defrauding rich people. The thing to remember Which, is that yeah, gen- <laughs> is that a cool b. <laughs> the um the thing the thing is right number one when your economy is oriented around the line then your economic activity increasingly just becomes make numbers go up and it's easier to make number go up by lying than it is to actually like build a thing to, to make the la perla lingerie it's, it's easier to have a successful economy in the neoliberal model by borrowing against La Perla than actually making the bras. Yeah. What, what, what is cheaper to make? Um, several hundred thousand pairs of lingerie or a single perfect Renault Twink? <laughs> yeah, or, on, well, on paper, every single one of these models has four boobs. <laughs> it's easier. Which has doubled the value. It's easier to make, um, to just, to make a, to basically declare a bond issue than it is to, um, Effectively make, make the, thing. the thing, yeah. And so, please, please make the episode title a single perfect Renault Twingo. Um, yeah. And so, basically, right, like that's that that that's just it. Like the the frauds at the high level are funny until when they come crashing down. The people who are responsible for cleaning up after it always it's never Lars Windhorst. 
it's never no it's kazakhstani aircraft <laughs> mechanics but it's never it's it's really just um it's 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 you know it's taxpayers it's it's you hmm. it's this is this is the profligacy that we can't afford it's not libraries in wolverhampton Anyway, uh, uh, until that happens, uh, this guy is officially on the protection TF list. He must be protected right. at all costs because exactly. he's very fun. Trash future red notice. Yeah. Uh, dispatch yourself to Mayfair. Find this guy and like slap drinks out of his hand <laughs> just in case. This man's staircase. Yes. Protect Lars Windhorst. Start mopping it up with toast. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, I think that about tears it for today. Um, mm. As you know, there is a Patreon. Uh, do subscribe. Um, mm. it's five bucks a month. You know the deal. Five bucks a month. Uh, we got maybe maybe we'll have some new T-shirts by the time this comes out. Yeah, we, we're considering. We're considering Johannes Vonk and the Clogheads T-shirts. So if you'd be interested in a Johannes Vonk and the Clogheads, um, yeah, do do at us to let us know you'd be interested. Slugs from Den Hog uh, tour. Yeah. Then mm. do add us, and maybe we'll make the decision yeah. to make those. And the uh, the other the other stupid thing that we are in talks for and seriously considering at the moment are challenge coins. Yeah. I don't know why. We decided to do this, but I'm so glad we have. I've invested uh, in a number of t-shirts. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the deal. It's the whole deal. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, uh, see you on the bonus. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, our theme From song. From our soundproof room to yours. Our theme song is uh, Here We Go by Ginseng. Find it on Spotify. Later. Yeah. <laughs>